I'm Robin. And I'm Wayne. We're investors at VMG Partners, and we help build iconic consumer brands. Every day, some of the world's most fascinating founders share their stories with us before they've made it. Their highs and lows. Mistakes and triumphs. But always extraordinary results. And now we're sharing these stories with you. This is Unfinished Biz. No one fully prepared me for just how invested you get when it is your baby. On this episode of Unfinished Biz, founder and CEO of Munique, Mark Washington shares a truly inspirational story of how understanding food as medicine can change lives. Like many founders we talk to, Mark's journey is deeply personal, and his previous consumer industry experience gave him a leg up when he struck out on his own. But when your product is as much about a healthier lifestyle as it is about being delicious, educating your customer is a whole other challenge pretty good you know and we taste compared to other shakes we're like yeah it's as good as the other ones right consumers said no find out how mark flipped his own script in a brand new entrepreneurial role where the munique team has learned to change and iterate and how mark plans to make new impact in the world unfinished biz starts now So Rob, Mark was really built for this. I mean, he started his career at McKinsey and then also held senior leadership roles at brands such as Fiji Water, Irwin Naturals, Beachbody, and pretty successful runs at that. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that was interesting is just this idea of going from being someone who works with a founder to becoming the actual founder. And that's one of the things that Mark actually found to be uniquely challenging. I mean, it was really rooted from a personal mission inspired by a family member wanting to help support a community that means a lot to him and hit his personal career goals as well. But nevertheless, as you mentioned, Robin, you know, that transition from operator founder, not easy. And we had a chance to catch up with Mark while he's working from home in LA to hear more about that journey of, again, operator to founder. You know, I was on more of the traditional executive path, right? Partnering with other entrepreneurs and thought that that was my path um, until I was really inspired, right? And it was like this head meets the heart moment to get me started as an entrepreneur, kind of seeing both an opportunity and a need that I felt was, that wasn't being addressed, right? I mean, for people that really had a chronic condition uh, that they were dealing with, and I wanted to address it through nutrition, but really what sparked me was my my, my little sister, my late sister, Monica. Um, and that was my personal inspiration for why I decided to do something about it and uh, yeah, build this business and build it by design. So this I'm I'm uh, happened a little later in life for me to get that epiphany moment to, to start my entrepreneurial journey just about two years ago. So did you find that the traditional corporate route would you not be able to help solve for a you know this particular need through through that avenue? I knew that I was making a difference. And it's one of the things that I just love about the space of food and beverage, nutrition and wellness is that, you know, if you're doing your job well, that you're helping people. And so I always felt and loved the space and knew that directionally I was having an impact. Uh, But in terms of specifically, it always felt wanting. Right. And you could just look at the fact that these problems that we are addressing that I'm talking about they're getting worse every year, right? Despite the growth in wellness, despite the growth in healthy food and beverage, et cetera, like these major massive issues are are getting worse. So for me, I felt like to fundamentally make a difference and not just sort of work on the margins, but go at the heart of it. I felt like I needed to do that in a different way in my company where I could have true impact and set the company, you know, targeting this from the, from the very outset. Now, now we want to go back to what some of these conditions you're talking about as well as, you know, talk a little bit about your sister, who is the, the, the real spirit behind this, you know, tell us more about what, what type of roles did you have heading into this that helped you gear up for this entrepreneurial journey? So I've kind of been up until now, the, the, the right hand to the entrepreneur, right? I mean, I've had this career as an executive in the space, right? In food, beverage, supplements, wellness, fitness, partnering with, successful entrepreneurs at scale to grow their businesses further. So, you know, I started out, cut my teeth in general management at the wonderful company. Uh, You might know a multi-billion dollar conglomerate, healthy food and beverage. 
Fiji Water, Palm Wonderful, et cetera, did a range of things for uh, the wonderful company and the Resnicks over a nine-year career there, culminating as their CFO. Um, and so saw firsthand kind of healthy food and beverage, how to build a business, but still a huge business, but still very entrepreneurial. From there, I went to Beachbody. Right. I mean, so predominantly known for at home fitness, uh, but really where we focused the business was on nutrition, where we felt like we had more impact or really scaled the business. So yep. I joined Beachbody as their president, chief operating officer, and we had a ton of success really scaling the business. And that was my mandate to help help build the business, help more people, in particular through the Superfood Health shake, uh, Shakeology. From there, I went to Irwin Naturals, uh, a supplement company, soft, uh, soft gel herbal supplements, I'm still partnering with the an entrepreneur, even though I was the CEO, like he's very involved in helping drive kind of the business has been around for, for quite a while. So quite similar to these roles that I'd had in the past. So all consistent within the space, but also all consistent being, you know, the right hand to the entrepreneur to help execute and scale on their vision. So, yeah, so that's the, the executive path that I was on. And I loved it. I loved it. I think it was great. I thought that was sort of my, uh, my calling. And then you saw, you're like, wow, this this entrepreneurship thing looks super easy. I'm going to go do it myself. <laughs> <laughs> not quite, not quite. I will say, I will say though, Wayne, like um, just with the experiences that I had, I was fortunate to have a front row seat in what it took to be a successful entrepreneur in this space, right? I mean, because all those businesses I talked about had all achieved like really significant success at, you know, a hundred million, a billion, multi-billion dollar organizations. And I'd seen what these successful entrepreneurs had done in this space to help motivate people to make positive behavior change for their health. So there definitely were a lot of things that I learned along the way that has helped. What what do you find is the top handful of things that you took away from these entrepreneurs that you that you going in felt like that you wanted to apply to your own entrepreneurship so i'll give you some examples there's some on the flip side that i wanted right. to do differently as well as you can imagine <laughs> yeah. uh, right. but the things that i the, the things that i captured that i really loved was an emphasis on quality like and this was really uh reinforced in me starting at the wonderful company and just the quality of the product and just how that's such a stable platform for healthy growth versus just you know a latest marketing gimmick to get somebody to buy something and that's not doing anything for them, right? And that really started with Stuart Resnick and the, and the wonderful company and just such a strong emphasis on the quality of the product and that customer experience was really beating me from the from the very beginning. And that carried through to the other uh, environments as well. What also was learned, not just the wonderful company, but at Beachbody as well in particular, was the importance of, of brand, right? And making an authentic connection with a consumer and just saw the power of that and how it it, it translates into a, a business being so much more than just a product, right? When you can create an emotion from a consumer who is engaging with their product or with their business or with their service, it takes it to another level. And that's obviously something that has uh, definitely resonated with me. And I saw the impact that that can have on someone because, you know, there's for Beachbody, for example, there's a million shakes in the world, right? I mean, and so how do you differentiate yourself? And a big part of it for us at Beachbody was that connection through, you know, these coaches and, you know, really helping people get results yep. and having this social community and kind of people doing things together was a significant bigger deal. Yes, it was a great product, a great shake, but I saw that, that impact of not just the brand, but the community and the connection on top of it was definitely something that I, I, I really resonated with me that I've tried to carry on into uh, into my company. What are the things you definitely didn't want didn't want to do? <laughs> so there are a few things, and not as though there's right or wrong for a lot of them, Wayne. It was just I'd say what resonated for me personally and sort of my north star and the way it was both how I wanted to have impact as well as the way I wanted to run a business. I'd say one of the things differently was a deeper orientation in science and efficacy. Yeah. Uh, it's like, even though the companies I came from actually had an appreciation and we definitely advanced the science agenda, like the way I felt like to, to truly affect these conditions, like these serious conditions, um, I really wanted a strong foundation in science, right? And so that we could truly deliver on the promise, not just based on, you know, historical usage or not just feeling like, you know, something is going to be a little bit better for you, but literally building on a foundation in clinical studies and taking a uh, more of a therapeutic biotech type approach to nutrition was something that, you know, really the businesses had had dabbled in, but hadn't done in a, a 
a really foundational way, right? Yep. So that was one big uh, difference, not just in those businesses, frankly, relative to most businesses in the space. We wanted to do just something differently. I'd say second thing was big for me was in building a business by design was a deep and thorough emphasis on team. That's just so fundamental to me. And I just, I've always been, you know, I, I grew up playing sports. I've always been into the, the importance and the value of team. And it's something that I really wanted to build into the business from the very outset was, you know, not just a collection of talented people, but that were, you know, collaborative, could work well together, could push each other, right? And so having that established from the very foundation was key. One third one that I'll, that I'll just mention in there as well, right? I mean, this is my company. It was my first chance to really stake my claim. I really wanted to have an impact on multicultural communities. And also in order to do that, that's not just outwardly facing, right? With the products right. that we produce, with the conditions we're addressing, with the representation and how we position our brand, but also internally facing as well, right? And so building a company that was sort of infused with this importance of diversity and representation and inclusiveness was a really important aspect to me as well. And so that's kind of been a part of our ethos as a business from the very outset was to have a, a company that cared about this stuff intently and were intentional about our efforts to not just express ourselves in a representative way, but also to represent that uh, internally as a very diverse team and culture as well. I'm, I'm curious because I, I think you're, you're coming at entrepreneurship from a very interesting vantage point, having seen it up close close and personal multiple times over. I think some could argue that you're better prepared than many. My question is more around, so you're coming with all this great installed base knowledge. Now, all of a sudden you're an owner of a business. Did you find yourself having to unlearn anything? (laughs) Yeah, uh, for sure. For sure. It's a very good question. There's a couple of things, right? I mean, for one, no one fully prepared me for just how invested you get when it is your baby. Right. And the fact that as an entrepreneur, you, you know, you celebrate victories and you die a little bit every day. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of like the definition. And I had been through kind of all kinds of environments. Everything's at scale, though. And, you know, environments I've been in, even the problems that we and the challenges that we faced, we knew at the end of the day, we're very well funded organizations. The company didn't have so many days left of survival. Right. Right. I mean, and so everything was going to be okay. And I thought it was intense then. And I thought I was into it 100 percent. Nothing prepared me, though, for uh, the fact of these highs and lows of your baby, like and literally looking at days or weeks or months or what have you that you have left of survival. If, you know, you don't get some things right, like the need to try to stay calm and cool, despite kind of the vicissitudes of the daily schedule was something that was had to be learned because um, that was not experience that I had kind of coming into coming into a situation. I'd say another aspect is, you know, even though I've come from an environment of larger scale, managing kind of teams, and frankly, in many cases, large teams, uh, this is an environment where every single one of us is completely not just knee deep, like neck deep in the details, right? I mean, and so the kind of stuff where I was like, don't ask me that because that's not my stuff. I've got teams and people are going to manage it, etc. We're all in there like, you know, the font should be a different font. You know, let's change the slight color of red on that. Let's look at this email. Let's look at that customer service. Let me hear what, I mean, just at such an intense level of detail that um, frankly, I think is necessary, especially at this early stage is so formative and there's only a handful of us, right? And so if I don't do it, if my teammates aren't in that level of detail, stuff is just going to fall through the cracks, right? And so that's something that's definitely taken on a whole different meaning in terms of being engaged in in the real details uh, as an entrepreneur. Take us back to, again, how this all starts, because I think there's yeah. there's like an incubator and certainly the legacy and of your sister and then the problem you're trying to solve. And then you were at Irwin Naturals before, like walk us through kind of like the chain of events that of how do you put all those pieces together? I'll say that I didn't know this is really this lifelong journey that I didn't know I was on. Right. But I had, you know, this itch that was increasing in prevalence. It was like in the back of my mind, um, like in between uh, some of the, the operating jobs that I had, I also I did you know, partner with a private equity firm and looked at a number of different businesses in this space, looking for other businesses that I could call my own, right? I mean, and run and um, take to the next level. And I saw, and I met with a number of these entrepreneurs and during the course of this, some great businesses. And I was like, I, I could do that. 
I think I could do that. And and like, and so one of the things that caused this to be an itch that I decided to, to finally scratch was like, I'm looking at earlier and earlier stage because I really wanted to mold the clay and kind of build a business by design. I was like, but why do that, you know, with a company that still is already somewhat established versus take one extra step of risk and, and truly build a business, you know, by design from, from scratch. And so this was something that was kind of, eking up in the in the you know in the back of my mind this itch that I was like at some point I'm gonna scratch it. And then it came to the point where I was like, you know, it's kind of where this head meets heart thing where I've like I see this opportunity, this need that's out there. You know, my heart is welling up because I'm like, this could be an opportunity for you to truly make a difference um, in a differentiated way than you ever have in the past. And a real unlock for me was connecting with you know the venture foundry that I work with to you know all around this concept um, where we share this ethos around improving human health and doing it through nutrition, you know, as opposed to therapeutics or uh, uh, going that route. And what does that mean, by the way, venture, like uh, explain what that means? Yeah, so it's basically, it's similar to different than traditional uh, VC in that it's unless instead of just investing in existing entrepreneurs and startups, more uh, investing in technology and in individuals to incubate and build businesses, right? And yep. so the particular firm, like a lot of the, the focus had been around technology research uh, and then building and bringing in a team and so forth to build a business over time. In this case, it was an entrepreneur with an idea with a vision that combined with some of their technical uh, uh, resources. And frankly, a lot of the research that had been conducted around the gut, right? And the gut microbiome. Um, yep. And I kind of came into this, I say I was, I was gut aware <laughs> prior to this, <laughs> but I got deep into the gut microbiome. And for me, that was the, that was part of the spark, right? That was an aha moment for me where I was like, I've got this aspiration to change people's lives through health, to try to do it through this food as medicine preventatively, and finally seeing an avenue and a way that's deeply scientifically proven, you know, a lot of emerging evidence that actually can allow me to activate and to achieve that mission of, of truly changing people's lives, you know, through nutrition, through the gut, right? And so that's when I got deep into it. Um, and that was a spark that you know, caused me to truly throw my hat in the ring and sort of connect the dots on this vision for the type of company that I wanted to, to build and the base of being founded in and around the science of the gut microbiome. And then share how your sister and the name Monique folds into all of that yeah yeah and so that was it was sitting back it was you know uh, frankly i was talking with my wife uh who is my confidant and my my partner my rock uh, about this concept um about the fact that I, i'm really getting excited about this concept and this prospect of building a business by design and partnering and starting from scratch. And she's like, you're going to do what now? <laughs> right? I mean, because I've been on this path, you know, right. throughout my life and it's very comfortable and I was fulfilled, et cetera. But, you know, she was unbelievably supportive from the, from the very foundation. And, you know, and part of, as it was going through the process was thinking through, well, what do we call it? Not just the business, you know, Uplifting Results Labs, which, you know, we did talk about, but the brand, like, how do we want to present ourselves? What does this mean? I want it to mean something when we talk about the brand and it really came as was doing a lot of reflecting some soul searching and talking with my wife you know she was like you know mark the reason why you know why you're deciding to do this at this stage in your life and in your career to try to fundamentally help people it's monica and it was oh, right of course right yep. and i was like okay that's that's it All right clearly that's my why and i want to honor her legacy not just for the concept but like make it more specific and that's when you started to think through brand names right and so then iterating around monica uh, my little sister and her name is something a tribute to her and just you know one of the aspects of my little sister was uh, she was incredibly colorful uh, unique personality. She's hilarious, even inappropriately so. Like she was <laughs> the life of the party, right? When Monica arrived, you knew she was there. Um, and so that to me is how I came up with the name Monica plus unique equals Munich. And uh, from there, it's been no looking back. It's again, one of those hindsight's 2020. And, and one of the things is like, it took some soul searching to get to that point where I was comfortable, not just conceptually starting the company inspired by my sister, but having her be essentially the essence of our brand and naming it after her because this requires, you know, this conversation, right? Talking about what has been, frankly, a, a very 
painful part of my history, personal history, to talk openly about my sister and sort of, you know, what transpired with her health and, you know, her, her untimely passing. Um, but it felt right. It just felt right. What a great tribute to her, you know, yeah, in terms I, I of the, the mission that you're you're helping bring to, to bear. Yeah. Share a little bit more about the science and the, the problem mm-hmm. you're trying to solve through Munich. Yeah, yeah. So I'll start with the science and then we'll get to the get to the problem. So as I mentioned, like, you know, our business and our brand and our products is all built on the foundation around the science of the gut microbiome. Um, and so when you think about the gut, and I know you're pretty aware of this, Wayne, just around how your gut has been. We know so much more about it now just through advances in, you know, research and technology and DNA sequencing, et cetera. Essentially, think of your gut as your control center for health. Just about every physiological, metabolic, frankly, even mental condition in your body has some direct tie or connection to what's happening, you know, with the trillions of little bugs and the environment in your gut called your gut microbiome, right? And so that was like the awakening, the aha moment for me. So we know a lot more about that now than we have in years past. But what we also know is there's ways that you can modulate, um, work with, feed your gut that can lead to specific outcomes, right? And so that's the unlock for me. And you can do it. And it doesn't just have to be through therapeutics. There's many biotech, there's a lot of therapeutics that are targeting the gut, but there's also a lot of nutrition, supplements and nutrition that fundamentally impact your gut that can lead to outcomes, right? And so that's where we dove in and really dug in around clinicals, around what specific conditions that we wanted to affect and what are some different ways that you can fundamentally transform your gut that can lead to these outcomes that we desired, right? And so that's sort of the platform uh, for the entire company and for the brand is kind of finding ways, natural ways through nutrition, supplement, et cetera, that you can either feed your gut or modulate your gut that is going to lead to an outcome that's going to fundamentally change someone's life and in particular affect some of these chronic underlying conditions that I wanted to, to go after. You know, one of our conversations past is just the prevalence of diabetes and right. pre-diabetic nature and also what communities are disproportionately affected by that. Could you share a little bit more about that? Yeah, for sure. And this goes back to when you said from the outset was one of the things that that drove me to start this company was not just trying to have a business that was better for you, right? I mean, that help you maybe shed a few pounds or get, you know, a little bit more ripped or what have you, shave some time off your, you know, your mile. I think those are great. I love that as well. But I, I was like, the real problem the real significant problems affecting kind of public health are more chronic underlying conditions, such as diabetes, such as obesity, such as hypertension, such as cholesterol. So kind of going on and on down the list, right? And so like I actually have mapped out, here are the things that get me going, right? The things that I would love to make a dent in, because I think this is having a positive impact on the world, broadly speaking, if we can address some of these conditions that individually and and collectively exert too much control over individuals, over lots of individuals, and frankly, over, you know, our our country, and frankly, the, the world as well, with diabetes being at the top of that list, which I call the prevailing health crisis and epidemic in this country with, you know, literally over 120 uh, individuals that are either living with diabetes or with pre-diabetes. And it's an unbelievably controlling disease um, when you get to the point where you are diabetic and it's hard to keep under control. It has too much impact on you, too much dependence on medication and not enough good guidance and products to help manage it, especially not doing so naturally. And then something that affects me, you know, to my core and something I'm very passionate about Diabetes, just like just about every other chronic condition like I just described, uh, they all disproportionately affect minority communities. Going down the list, they, they all do. In diabetes, it's essentially about 40 to 50 percent higher likelihood for particularly black and brown communities to be affected by diabetes relative to the general public. All right. So this has always been one of those conditions that's out there. I'm like, if we could do something about the sugars, right, that would have such an impact on society and public health and disproportionate impact on the communities that I come from. Right. I mean, black and brown communities where, you know, this is this is such such a, a huge epidemic. Right. So I grew up in a household. So Monica 
was living with diabetes. She did, you know, also live with other chronic conditions as well, obesity and hypertension, but diabetes is one of the most, you know, crippling ones. My dad has diabetes. It's kind of in our family. It's in our community, you know, and so it's all around us. And so this is one of those things that's been out there. I'm like, if I could affect that, that is impacting the world. Yep. That's impacting. That, that's something that I, I really get get driven about. Right. And so for me, it was so fascinating as I'm like, I'm, I'm, there's something I want to affect. And then I'm looking at the gut microbiome and the research and ways to modulate it. And some of these technologies can have a direct impact right through your gut on the way that your body manages your blood sugar, both in the near term, um, right? Managing, you know, from spikes and crashes, but even over the long term. So impacting things like your A1C. And share the magic fiber. What's the magic fiber? Yeah, for us. So fiber's key. Like, you know, fiber's huge. I'm a huge fiber proponent broadly speaking, you know, but there's different classes of fiber, all good, but different classes of fiber. Like I'm particularly, you know, a proponent of prebiotic fiber, which essentially means fiber that's truly feeding, you know, the, the good bacteria in your gut. And then within that, like we've, you know, really leveraging the science on a super powered prebiotic fiber called resistant starch that is, you know, we formulated a, a really efficacious dosage into our shakes. There's a ton of science around it, right? I mean, literally over 200 clinical studies that show uh, the impact of resistant starch in particular, not both in, around gut health broadly, but around specific health outcomes, a range of conditions, but the most well-studied one is around effective blood sugar control. And making sure we treat transition into the business like so you co-launched this with a, like a venture partner mm -hmm. walk us through so that that kick off the funding how, how have you funded this business because i think you know in the past you you mentioned larger businesses scale yeah. profitability mm -hmm. how'd you get this off the ground from a funding perspective yeah, like we, we started from the very outset with, with funding. You could call it seed, you know, funding yeah. from the venture foundry that I work with. Even before we funded it, though, like we had to, they had to get conviction around this concept. And frankly, I did as well. Right. <laughs> and so before funding, both of us said, you know, let's commit, you know, to a couple months to really explore what this business and this platform and, and potentially what this product, the first product could, could look like. And that's where I got really deep into the science of the gut microbiome and got deep into uh, the clinicals around resistant starch and its impact on health and blood sugar control and got my mind around, okay, this is an avenue uh, for us to activate this vision, this mission and affect this pervasive condition and to do it through nutrition. And like when pulling it all together, it's like- That come to life through the product and then launching it online? Is that how you, you tested it and, and got your conviction? Actually, before before then, I, our conviction really was based on, um, I'd say, two things. One was the science, right? I mean, when we really dove into the science and the clinicals and seeing the efficacy of resistant starch at high levels over time, that was point one. But then combining that with my conviction around, and then how do you make that into a business? At least the starting, the stepping stone for a product and a business. And that obviously comes from having experience in the space and knowing, understanding the consumer, understanding nutrition, and right. being able to see the vision of how that can then translate into a, a breakthrough product. That's where we got collective con uh, conviction, both for myself and the Venture Foundry. And that's where, you know, they funded the business. I said, I'm all in. And that was a that was a go. And did you end up just going to co-packers you used before to help help bring this product to life in terms of the technology you that you and your partner have and, and putting it into a powder form so you can yeah. make it into a shake since you've You've already been in the category before. Yeah, yeah. I, I tell people they don't believe me. I was like, when I started the company, I swear I did not go into it saying I'm going to create a shake. Right? Yeah. Just literally, it, it happened that way because as we dove into it, like thinking about the best way to make this accessible and to get this into people's diet, we need to get an efficacious dosage, but we also wanted to satisfy hunger, right, and help people through a meal replacement. So a shake was just the natural, the natural product. And yes, I it does. Uh, there's a lot of value and benefit coming from the space and having worked with both not just great co-packers, but great ingredient suppliers and flavor houses and sensory experts, et cetera. And so yep. not just myself, but also having you know folks that I've brought with me that I've worked with in the past um, that have experience in the space. And so, yeah, like we were able to make a couple of phone calls and we, you know, one month after having the concept of the business saying it's a go, we had product samples, right? We literally had a formulated product sample, right. you know, that we brought in. No, 
it tasted like shit, but <laughs> yeah. it would have worked. <laughs> we knew based on the science. But there's resistant starch in it. It was in it, right? You had, yeah. to, you had, to, ch- you had to chew your shake, right? yeah. but, but uh, we knew that it would be functional. But, uh, but yeah, no, so it definitely did help having experience and great relationships in the space to get us off the ground. And you mentioned team. Like uh, once you had conviction to do it, you, you have a product. Did you bring in a team, some performance yeah. marketers to help you, you launch the product online? Mm-hmm. What did you do next? Yeah, the, the, for me, the team started in science, right? Science and efficacy and formulation. Yeah. So my first hire was PhD food scientist that worked on my team uh, previously at Beachbody. Yeah. Um, he was employee number one. So day one of the company, it was he and I sitting at a desk, kind of hammering stuff out. Go, I had him reading through the clinicals, translating for me right. and me thinking through product formulation, et cetera. So our first and second hire, frankly, were on science and formulation. So I hit your first point that you started the podcast with on quality. Yeah, no, literally, the quality of the product was was absolutely essential. And then from there, then we built around it, right? I mean, to to build out a capability around, you know, strategy and analytics, you know, operations. Um, Actually, um, uh, marketing came later, right? We wanted to actually have a product, have a foundation to build upon that we could then create both a brand and create, you know, a marketing plan, you know, coming, coming out of it. It was always the intention as well to be a digitally native business, right? We wanted to have a direct connection connection with the consumer um, to want to just educate, right? I mean, because uh, average consumer isn't looking for a shake that works through your gut that helps you manage blood sugar, right? We've got a couple of steps that we have to, to close some of that knowledge and awareness gap. And that's a lot easier done direct to consumer. Also just having that connectivity, because again, we want to be more than just a product. And so we have a this great engaging support community. We call them unique lifers. Again, I, I mentioned that before, just like yeah. how to connect with people and be more than just a product, but an experience, right? And so doing that at a direct to consumers. What have you learned from by having that direct contact with your consumer through through you know your go to market strategy? What have what have you learned so far? Oh, it it it, it is so in, incredibly valuable. Um, for one, it's so motivational and inspirational to connect directly with consumers and to hear their stories and how you're affecting their lives. So it's great for me, great for our team to see that firsthand, uh, not through multiple layers. So yeah, from an inspiration standpoint, it's huge. But we know so much about our customer because of the way that we engage them on literally a daily basis, both in regards to how to use the product, how to get the best results out of it, hearing from people about their reaction and what's worked, and frankly, what hasn't worked. So you also had to be prepared for it's not all you know rainbows and sunshine right i mean we hear it very directly when someone doesn't either like the taste or like it's not working for them and they're not getting results or so what have you learned that's that's where you've made a change to your business because you've because of something you learned from a consumer yeah so two things one is we learned that you have to in getting started with unique you have to ramp it up Right. You can't just dive in full bore. This isn't like, you know, a traditional shake where you're like order and drink as much as you can from day one. No, this is a shake that lets there's real efficacy in there. So it's potent. Right. And especially with the amount of prebiotic resistant starch we have in there, um, you need to ease into it. Right. And we thought that and we'd seen some of that. But through consumer testing and feedback, we're like, okay, we have to get out in front of this. Like, so let's just be flat out and both tell people what to expect and also recommend that they ramp up. So we all tell based on that feedback, we tell everybody to start with a half serving, right? And ease into it and listen to your body. And then over days or sometimes it's weeks for folks before they can upgrade or graduate to the full serving, right? And so that's very much based on the feedback to sort of ease that, you know, we say to to introduce this goodness to your gut (laughs) Um, because otherwise it can definitely cause some distress. I'd say a second thing is just around the importance, which is something we knew, but something we've definitely re-emphasized, seeing customers and the results that they're getting. And one of the biggest difference between a customer that's seeing life-changing results versus someone who's like, eh, it's a good tasting shake. I'm not sure what it's doing for me. The biggest difference is consistency. Um, just making this not just a shake that you have every once in a while to, you know, tide your hunger or when you're feeling about making a healthy decision right. to fundamentally get those kind of life changing results. It's a shake a day. 
right? I mean, it's a very consistent incorporation of the prebiotic fibers that we're delivering on a daily basis. And that's what leads to these sort of life-changing results. And so that's kind of reinforced our messaging, our communication around this, not just, you know, this isn't, again, just a shake to just try every once in a while, but to really get the kind of results that many of our customers are looking for. It's about that consistent habit and just trying to make it as, you know, that small incremental step of just have a shake a day. Um, that's definitely been reinforced through the customer feedback that we've we've gotten into testimonials we've received. And as, as part of the system that you're talking about, do you also then dive into what not to do? I guess, because mm-hmm. that's, is, is that is that a component? Because I, I know so much of what you're doing is is education. Yeah, it's such a good question because no matter what, we know that our product, one, it's not a magic pill. <laughs> and then secondly, people have lives outside of their experience with Munique and with our product, with our community. And your life, your health, your metabolism, your weight, your blood sugar is affected by all of those dynamics that are happening in your life, right? And so we absolutely are engaging. And a lot of this is through our communication, our community around, one, how to engage with our shake. Secondly, what not to do in regards to our shake and also just things to be mindful of outside of our shake. So some of the things not to do, right, uh, for us, it's about being careful what you're adding, right, to your shake. Um, You know, because we hear it a lot of times, you have to be very careful, especially someone who's trying to manage their blood sugar will say, hey, you know, this thing tastes great. It's super thick and delicious. I added, you know, 12 ounces of, you know, full fat milk and, you know, a whole banana and kind of, (laughs) you know, sweet syrup and so on and so forth. I'm like, no. <laughs> and they're like, and I don't know why I'm not getting results, right? And so this has actually become more prevalent to be both thoughtful, not just about what to do, but what not to do. Like we say, okay, drink it with water, maybe some unsweetened plant milk, right, as your beverage. And then, yes, you want to mix it up and make recipes, but let's, here's some low glycemic recipes that be easy on the bananas, like easy on kind of ingredient XYZ, because if you're trying to get your blood sugar under control, um, let's not make it harder, you know, on you. So yeah, so we do get into what not to do. And then obviously we talk about, and in addition to Munique, let's think about the other things that are going on in your life that have an impact. And so be careful and, and you know, just be mindful in your diet and, you know, in your, in your lifestyle sort of outside of Munique to help amplify some of the results as well. It looks like from the news, you success, you finished your, your capital raise yes, this last week and announced it. Tell, tell, you know, having been part of larger businesses, tell us a little bit more about you know, what it's like to fundraise, what did you learn from that, and what did it culminate in? Yeah, so I have a love-hate relationship with fundraising, (laughs) right? (laughs) Um, You know, listen, I think the the, what I learned was a couple of things, really how important it is to be crystal clear in telling your story and what you're about. Like, because I come, my general bias is talking about all the amazing things that kind of this business is, all the amazing things this product can do and all the things that we, you know, we could do in the future, right? Uh, Versus, you know, and some of my current investors were like, what's the one thing? (laughs) What is the one thing that you do better than anybody that you're uniquely positioned to? What's your superpower? That was a learning for me, right? And I, I love that way of thinking, kind of crystallizing it down to the one thing, even though I know in my heart of hearts, there's a lot of things that we do well and that this thing can solve, but really crystallizing and keeping that story simple and confined was definitely uh, a learning for me. I also think kind of going through the process, learning about getting feedback from some really intelligent folks um, that are looking at lots of different businesses and have seen what's successful uh, for impact and for business and uh, just reinforcing this being more than just a product. Right. And thinking through how can you truly impact someone's life, especially given what we're trying to do and these, you know, pervasive conditions that we're trying to address that you right. really have to think about it beyond a product, frankly, potentially beyond just a community like what we have established. So I think that was some very helpful feedback that we're thinking of ways that we can infuse ourselves into people's lives to get results. Right. That's what we're about at the end of the day. And through this process that went really, really emphasized and focused on that. What I didn't like about this process was, you know, this is a couple months of essentially being out of the game, right? And so I, I feel like, you know, a brand new father. I just given birth to my new unique baby <laughs> back in May. And I'm like, 
here, good luck. You know, my baby's learning to walk, but I've got to be over here because I've got, you know, all these meetings to take. Right. And so my baby's like trying to figure it out. So I didn't love being out of the game and not tending to my baby like she, I think, needed to uh, during those that couple months time period. But uh, at the end of the day, right, was successful and is really excited about, you know, not just the funding, but the partners and the clear clarity that we have going forward. So it was absolutely a very worthwhile process to go through. And, and how much did you raise and who'd you bring in? Yeah, so we raised uh, 8.2 uh, million in this in this true Series A round. Uh, our lead investor is Alpha Edison. Uh, and we also brought in Acre Venture Partners. And then we have a number of strategic, you know, individuals as well that were excited about what we're doing, uh, included, uh, you know, former NBA uh, all-star and uh, and pretty prolific investor, uh, Baron Davis, who uh, is really uh, aligned with what we're trying to do and a number of other great kind of strategic investors as well. So, yeah, very, very happy with the outcome and what it sets us up to do. Right after the break, we'll be back with our featured guest, founder and CEO of Munique, Mark Washington. Unfinished Biz is a VMG Partners production. You can find us in any podcast app of your choice and bookmark unfinishedbiz.com for new and past episodes. Follow us on our Unfinished Biz LinkedIn page for news and updates. If you love the show, iTunes reviews help us out a lot. Thanks in advance. But now let's get back to our episode with Munique founder and CEO, Mark Washington. Well, Mark, it sounds like you've been on quite a journey at this point, but is there any particular moment in time where you had a bet the company moment? Hmm. Bet the company. I think I would I would go back to the foundation, right, of the company. And frankly, even before we before we launched, for me, the thing that comes to mind is thinking about the product like we've talked about and, and the quality and the spec that I set forth this seemingly impossible scenario of you know a product that will transform somebody's life right i mean has to match what we saw in the clinicals etc so the efficacy was never to be sacrificed but at the same time i felt like in order to do this right to really be breakthrough it had to be an unbelievably enjoyable product right i mean sensory experience the sustainability ease accessibility etc was literally at the same level as efficacy, um, no sugar, right? We can't have any sugar in our product at all. And so, you know, our formulators are like, you know, that's not possible, but we can get close. I was like, nope, we're, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. We have to figure it out. Um, I know it hasn't really been done in the way that we're doing it, but I was like, it, for us to have the kind of impact on this intractable condition, you know, I think we have to do something that hasn't been done. So for me, that was a bet the company moment that we could break through and actually create a product that met that sort of, you know, unbelievably high bar of efficacy and enjoyment and not have any sugar in it whatsoever. So um, it wasn't it wasn't with certainty that we entered into it, but very glad that uh, we held our ground. Well, congrats again on all the success. Is there a, a particular high point and then conversely a low point that stands out in your mind so far? So a couple, I, I mean, I could give you ones today. Like I said, every single day, <laughs> like you you celebrate victories and you die a little bit as an entrepreneur. But as I, as I look back, though, one of the biggest high points for me, because um, I'm really motivated by the consumer, right? I mean, it goes back to my inspiration and wanting to help others, just like Monica, kind of uh, manage these chronic conditions and, and empowering people. So it really inspires me to hear um about testimonials from customers and the impact we're having in their life. And literally just the other day, I had a, um, actually had a Zoom with a customer who really, really wanted to connect with me to share sort of her story and share the fact that my story and Monica kind of really resonated with her as she's living with many of the similar conditions um, that Monica had and talk with that customer about how, from her words, that Munique is saving her life was uh uh was a high point i wasn't cute because i had you know had a, had a few ugly tears going on <laughs> during the conversation but you know you talk about getting excited and inspired about what you're doing um that definitely was a high point moment for me and i was fortunate able to share that with with my team as well so yeah that gets gets us all going so yeah i'd say that's what definitely been a high point what about a low point i guess going back to uh, related to that bet the company moment it wasn't certain that you know the standards that i had set to formulate this product was going to translate and we had some 
feedback that indicated that it wouldn't. <laughs> um, so uh, we know the product would work, right? And we went through a couple of iterations and we actually, you know, I did believe in, in consumer feedback and we went through a consumer sensory panel, like I'd say version 2.0, right, of the product where we're like, yeah, it's pretty good, you know, and we taste compared to other shakes. We're like, yeah, it's as good as the other ones, right? Consumers said no. <laughs> um, so we brought it, you know, spent a fair amount of money, especially for us. Because of taste or what? Because of taste, taste, yeah, texture? taste texture, right? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't the fact that, you know, that it wouldn't work. It was they wouldn't look forward to drinking it, which, frankly, at the end of the day, means it wouldn't work. Right? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter how good of a product it is. Right. If someone's not going to drink it and return to it, it's not going to yeah. work. And so literally, it was a, a pretty low point for me, for my head of R&D, to be like, have we set too <laughs> high of a bar? Do we need to rethink, you know, uh, the formulation? Do we need to add some sugar? Do we need to do all this? Um, and we had some real questions about whether or not this was achievable. Obviously, we figured it out. and so glad we stuck with it. But that was definitely a point where we had to question ourselves in the path that we, we were headed on. So, Well, you guys have overcome some obstacles. But at this point, what's keeping you up at night? Well, at this point, if you go to our website and you could click through some products and see, you know, maybe half of them are out of stock right now. <laughs> that's keeping me up at night. Right. <laughs> um, so we launched this business in the midst, obviously, of the quarantine. We launched in May of 2020. So it's kind of all we know is operating during this time. Uh, we have been relatively um, able to operate, you know, pretty well, uh, despite, you know, the quarantine impacts. Uh, but we took off right, as a company, really got getting a lot of early traction with customers and revenue, but then impact at the same time, you know, you know, some of our supply chain, you know, has some challenges, right? I mean, and largely COVID induced challenges, right? It's everywhere and it's impacting. And it was essentially a matter of time until it caught up with us. And so we've been experiencing that, I'd say through much of the last quarter and even up until now, right? I mean, we have a number of products that are out of stock with this combination of growth and, you know, supply challenges that are COVID induced. So, so yeah, this is a big thing that's on my mind right now is um, one, just getting back up so that we're in a good position to continue to grow, but then also just sustainability and scalability kind of going forward, especially in these uncertain times as, you know, many businesses and brands, especially in our space are, are dealing with. So yeah, that's, that's very much the keep me up at night thing right now. So, Rob, I mean, it's interesting. We hear from entrepreneurs all the time. I didn't know when I was going to be ready to be an entrepreneur or how I got prepared to be one. And you think about Mark, there was really nobody who's who could be more prepared. You know, he's been a very successful operator of a number of wellness companies in advance of starting Unique and really set up to do this. And even that, it was really hard. You know, starting a nutrition company, having consumers come back and say your product doesn't taste good and having to iterate upon that. I mean, that's that's tough. I mean, and then having to really reformulate the entire product and not knowing if it if it's going to really work or not. And on top of that, you layer on the fact that you're launching a business or a brand during COVID. I mean, there's nobody who would have actually been able to anticipate any of that. But you're really thinking about kind of building a supply chain, building up brand awareness, kind of staffing a team during a time like this. Again, you know, hard to do for anybody and, you know, even really hard to do for a seasoned operator like Mark. Well, his journey has been all consuming. And Mark at this point has had to tamp down one of his joys in life, which is really playing sports and fitness. Not as much time as there used to be. Yeah. Um, my wife did, will confirm that. What did you <laughs> used to for, like to do? Yeah, I to, well, I still like to. What, what do I not do as much? So, um, you know, my passions are um, my family. Yeah. Um, and that is how I, you know, spend, you know, as much of my free time as possible. Um, and sports and fitness, right? And so, yeah, family time, like for me, is is so critical. As I mentioned, my my foundation. We have three kids, um, plus my niece who lives with us when she's not up at up at Berkeley. And you know, always trying to spend as much quality time with my family. It's been one of the, frankly, one of the upsides of this, you know, quarantine is seeing my kids at lunch, right? right. And seeing them, you know, even more than I would normally uh, get to. So yeah, spending spending quality family time is how uh, that is my passion. And I always, always, you know, commit to um, 
making time to do so. Um, but then in terms of hobbies, yeah, I'm, I'm into fitness and I'm into sports. Um, and, uh, you know, and so pre-quarantine, uh, that included my latest. So I grew up playing sports. I played football in college yeah. and played every sport, you know, in the, under the sun. Uh, but I picked up soccer as my um, my latest passion and hobby. And so I've been uh, pre-quarantine. I was playing in two different, you know, competitive soccer leagues, uh, oh, nice. playing a couple times a week. So that's sort of what I love to do i uh, haven't been able to not just because of the company but obviously because of quarantine so yeah. i haven't been able to, to play much soccer but in the meantime i've been you know dusting off some of the old you know beach body dvds and doing some <laughs> online workouts as well to try to keep myself fit during these times it's interesting like it, there's so much talk around connected fitness and home fitness these days but oh, beach body yeah. is in some regards like the og of oh, you know sure. of home fitness for you sure. know yeah it's like a lot of people are catching up to see like home fitness is a is a thing right and so, that's right yeah they've been in the p90x space, you know, right for, like, forever oh yeah for sure for sure although i'm looking for less less intense things in my <laughs> uh, right. older years that try not to injure myself well great well it's time for our uh rapid fire game just try to get through as many as you can are you ready? Let's do it. All right. What's your favorite holiday tradition? Thanksgiving dinner and eating way too much food. What's your favorite Thanksgiving dish? My wife's a sweet potato casserole with this pecan crumble on top of it. Have you developed any new habits since the beginning of the pandemic? Actually waking up in the morning and working out in the morning. Never did that before. Where's your favorite place to work from home? Uh, it's my only place to work from home. You're looking at it. This is uh, Washington headquarters. <laughs> I love it. My office, my office at home. Yeah, which is also my bar. <laughs> so nice. It comes it's in very handy. Comes in handy. <laughs> exactly. What's the last great book you've read? I'd say the Psychobiotic Revolution. So not to get too nerdy, but my uh, uh, current uh, investors, you know, hit me to this is about getting deep in the science of the gut microbiome and talking about the impact of your. I gotta interrupt you. Health. It's rapid fire. What's your okay, least sorry. favorite book or movie? Oh, God. Wonder Woman 84. That thing was so bad. So bad. And I love wow. superhero movies. So bad. Anyways, go ahead. TV show or movie you're currently watching? We just started watching Bridgerton. Um, I think it looks good. I'm not into period, but... Favorite appliance? Appliance? I would... I'd say my lemon and lime squeezer. Use it for cocktails. You definitely learned, learned some really interesting facts that, that, uh, about, about you, Mark. There should, be a, there should be a prize at the end of that. That was intense. Well, the last the last question in the show, what, what advice do you have for aspiring entrepreneurs? Yeah, to me, I, I keep it simple. Um, I really focus on the end consumer. I, I feel like entrepreneurs and many businesses, you know, overlook the, the consumer, like that you're actually solving a real problem for a consumer and doing it in a way that is at their level, right? As opposed to giving something you think they want, right? Give them what they truly want and need. And so having that intense consumer focus, I think is so, is so key for, for anybody in this, in any entrepreneur. That's great advice, Mark. Well, Thanks for joining us on Unfinished Biz. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. These are the opinions of Robin and Wayne and our guest entrepreneur and are not necessarily the opinions and thoughts of VMG partners. And now a word from our lawyers. This is not an offer to buy or sell any investments. Entrepreneurs interviewed on this podcast may not be associated with VMG businesses and discussions of their companies should not be viewed as an endorsement by VMG. 